0: Understanding Childhood Cancer. I'm Dr. Jeff and this is a podcast that's for parents mostly of children with cancer or leukemia and I really wish you weren't listening to this for obvious reasons. Uh, It doesn't seem right. Today I want to talk about acute myeloid leukemia commonly abbreviated to AML acute myeloid leukemia. Now, you really need to have listened to my earlier podcast, the one that said, what is acute leukemia in children? Or it might have been childhood, I can't remember. But anyway, that one explains all about what acute leukemia is, and in some detail. But anyway, I'll cover some of that ground now just to refresh your memory. So leukemia is cancer, but it's cancer of a blood cell. So when you think of a lot of types of cancer, you think of a cancer growing as a lump somewhere. Well, when it's cancer of a blood cell, well, it doesn't usually form a solid lump, but rather it forms a liquid cancer. Since blood cells run around in the bloodstream, well, leukemia ends up a liquid form of cancer. Now I say it's cancer of a blood cell, but most of the time leukemia actually starts in the bone marrow. In the bone marrow, inside your bones, that's where you make blood. And leukemia tends to be cancer of one of those cells in the bone marrow that's meant to be making normal blood cells. So instead of Doing the right thing and maturing into good red blood cells or good white blood cells, one of the cells in the bone marrow becomes cancerous and it multiplies and, multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and doesn't mature into normal blood cells but rather just keeps reproducing itself and so you get a problem. The bone marrow doesn't work properly and so the blood counts drop And also these cells just accumulate and accumulate and start to spill into the bloodstream and then you've got high levels of leukemia cells sometimes running around the bloodstream and they can cause problems and then they can infiltrate the liver and the spleen and the lymph glands and cause enlargement of those organs. They can cause pain in the bones and a few other problems. But listen to that other podcast and you'll hear about all of that in a bit more detail. But by the end of that podcast I'd described a situation where a child had turned up maybe with low blood counts or maybe with an elevated white blood cell count but an elevated white blood cell count that was mostly made up of leukemia cells not normal white blood cells or they might have turned up with a big liver or a big spleen or sore bones But in any event, they'd had blood tests and eventually had a bone marrow test, a needle in the back of the pelvis bone to suck out some bone marrow, make some microscope slides and look at them with the microscope and then see the presence of leukemia. And that's where we got to in the other podcast, that one about understanding acute leukemia in children. So having seen that there was leukemia in the bone marrow, the next step is to work out Well, what sort of leukemia is present? And there's two main types of leukemia that we see in children. The most common one is the lymphoid or lymphoblastic leukemia. And then the other one is the topic for today, myeloid leukemia. And in particular, acute myeloid leukemia. So why don't I explain next what that name means, acute myeloid leukemia? So I've told you what leukemia means. It means cancer of a blood cell or a bone marrow cell and usually a process that ends up affecting the bone marrow function in some way and the leukemia cells spilling over into the bloodstream. So that's leukemia. Next I'll explain what does acute mean. Well, there's acute leukemia and there's chronic leukemia. Now chronic leukemia is a form of leukemia that tends to take months and months and years to make the patient sick. So it's a slower moving disease. It can progress slowly and then the patient becomes sick. On the other hand, acute leukemia is a form of leukemia where the patient's condition gets worse quite quickly over a period of just some weeks. So it's a disease that's fast-moving and the patient's condition will continue to deteriorate quickly if something isn't done. So in the 1800s, for instance, before there was any treatment, well, acute leukemia was the worst thing because the patient got very sick very quickly and no one could survive. Now, in these days where we actually have treatment for leukemia, very often acute leukemia is the one where the treatment works best. So even though acute sounds like a bit of a scary word, uh, acute leukemia may actually have a better outlook than chronic leukemia in the modern era. The next thing to explain is that word myeloid. Okay, myeloid. So now we have to go back to the bone marrow. So in the bone marrow, you have these things called stem cells. And there's a granddaddy stem cell in the bone marrow and you've got a few billion of them, I suppose. And its job is to pump out all the other blood cells. So it's constantly dividing and it makes a new copy of itself and it makes the cells that then grow into our mature blood cells. Now, the cells that eventually come out of the bone marrow can be divided into two big families, There's the lymphoid family and the myeloid family. So the lymphoid family are just a bunch of special white blood cells called lymphocytes. So there's cells called T cells and B cells. They're the lymphocytes. So that's the whole lymphoid family, just the lymphocytes. Now when you look at the other cells that come out of the bone marrow, just about all of the rest of them are in the family that we call the myeloid family. So red blood cells, platelets, neutrophils, other types of white blood cells, basophils, eosinophils, there's all sorts of different white blood cells in addition to the red blood cells and the platelets, and all of them are considered the myeloid family of cells. So in the bone marrow, you've got the big granddaddy stem cell, And then you've got a family of these myeloid stem cells and some of them are responsible for pumping out red cells, some for pumping out platelets, some for pumping out different types of white blood cells. But they're all part of the myeloid family. Now if one of those cells becomes cancerous and becomes a leukemia, then it's a myeloid leukemia. So you can have an acute myeloid leukemia or a chronic myeloid leukemia. But today we're talking about acute myeloid leukemia. And acute myeloid leukemia is much more common in children than chronic myeloid leukemia, which you see more often in adults, but you do see it in children. So that explains the name acute myeloid leukemia. Cancer of one of the myeloid stem cells and it's a cancer that's a fast-moving one, and so we call it acute myeloid leukemia, not chronic myeloid leukemia. But now I might just call it AML. Now, just to confuse things a bit more, AML is sometimes referred to by a different name, and that's acute non-lymphoblastic leukemia. So remember we have acute lymphoblastic leukaemia. That's the more common leukaemia in childhood. Well, sometimes AML gets called acute non-lymphoblastic leukaemia. So ANLL. Now, I don't know why they had to come up with this name. I think it was just to confuse us all. But ANLL and AML are essentially describing the same thing almost all the time. Next thing just to mention quickly is that most of the time, patients with AML will present with some abnormality of the blood counts, and then the bone marrow will show the leukemia to be present in the bone marrow, and that's how we'll diagnose the disease. But there are occasional patients who present with AML that's not really in the bone marrow and the bloodstream as much, but just a single lump of leukemia. You can get, for instance, a lump in the skin that is a lump of leukemia without actually seeing the disease in the bone marrow. So that's something that they call a chloroma. Chloroma. I think it's because it was a sort of greenish colour and something to do with chlorine or something having a green colour. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, so you can get leukemia that isn't in the bone marrow and blood, but just in a lump somewhere. But that's only a minority of cases. But anyway, the patients usually had a bone marrow test And this is how we diagnose acute myeloid leukemia. The first thing is we make some slides and look at them with the microscope. And the trained eye, the hematopathologist, can look at these cells under the microscope. And myeloid leukemia cells, well, they just look different to lymphoid leukemia cells. They just have a different sort of shape and a different sort of size and a different sort of appearance overall. So most of the time we can look at the cells with a microscope and diagnose the disease as being myeloid leukemia rather than lymphoid leukemia. Now I say most of the time, there are situations where it's very hard to tell lymphoid from myeloid leukemia with the microscope. So we also run a bunch of other tests on the leukemic cells. So as well as making slides, we put some cells from the bone marrow into some tubes and send them off to all sorts of different labs for all sorts of tests. So one of the tests that we'll do is something called flow cytometry. A flow cytometer is a fancy machine that feeds the cells one at a time through these lasers and the lasers hit the cells and hit them from all different directions and collect the light that scatters off the cells and with flow cytometry we can work out certain chemicals that are on the surface of the leukemic cells. So they're called the cell surface markers and there's a bunch of markers that are called myeloid markers and then there's ones called lymphoid markers. So we do this flow cytometry test and then that can diagnose the leukemia as being myeloid leukemia rather than lymphoid and that's the sort of test that you can normally get done within a day or two. The bone marrow will also be sent to other labs. It'll be sent off to have chromosome tests done and DNA tests done and I'll talk about them in some later episodes of the podcasts. Usually at the time of that bone marrow test we'll do a lumbar puncture, that's a spinal tap, to sample some spinal fluid from low in the back. We send that spinal fluid off and get it centrifuged and that's to look for any leukemic cells that might be in the spinal fluid. This occurs in lymphoid leukemia and myeloid leukemia, and we need to know if the cells are in the spinal fluid because that'll influence the way we treat the disease. Now, as all these test results come in, we're eventually able to determine what form of AML we're dealing with. See, there's several different types of acute myeloid leukemia, and there's ones that are more favorable, and there's ones that are less favorable. So more favourable meaning we are more likely to cure the disease. And the various subtyping takes place according to the appearance under the microscope, the chromosome tests, DNA tests, cell surface markers, all sorts of things like that will be put together to diagnose what sort of leukaemia are we talking about, what subtype of AML. Now the very important one to mention now because it's the one form of AML that gets treated very differently to all the others, and that's one called acute promyelocytic leukemia, commonly abbreviated APML. So APML is treated very differently to the other forms of AML, because APML has a few specific things that are different about it and I'll do a special podcast on it, but in particular, we have a bunch of special drugs that we can use for APML, and so we don't have to use the standard normal chemotherapy. But really, the remaining types of AML normally are treated in pretty similar fashion, at least in the first few cycles of chemotherapy. So there are forms of AML that have a more favourable outlook and ones that have a less favourable outlook but essentially the chemotherapy tends to be the same in those early weeks and months and then the differences emerge as far as whether you end up talking about things like bone marrow transplants etc later on in the piece. Now what happens next? Well firstly the patient needs to be stabilised during the same time as we're doing all of these tests Remember, the patient's turned up with abnormalities of blood counts, etc., and so need some general supportive care before we can start talking about chemotherapy. So the patient may have a low red blood cell count and so need a blood transfusion. They may have a low platelet count. Remember, platelets are the little tiny cells that make your blood clot. Well, if the platelet count is too low, then we may need to give a platelet transfusion and the patient may have a high white blood cell count, but those cells are made up of the leukemia cells. Their normal white blood cells might be very low, so that means they might not be able to fight infections very well, and so often patients turn up with fevers and infected with something, and so we very often have to put the patient on antibiotics. A particular problem can occur from the circulating leukemia cells. So the high levels of leukemic cells in the blood can get to very high levels sometimes. And occasionally that can cause a problem. Those cells can be a bit sticky and so they can sort of stick together and glug up the lungs, for instance, and cause breathing difficulties. Or they can even do worse things. They can glug up some of the blood vessels in the brain and cause drowsiness or even more severe problems. Now, most of the time we don't see that, I must say, but there are patients with AML, particularly with very high white blood cell counts, who can have those problems. So that's something called leukostasis. It means white blood cells glugging things up, basically. In addition to stabilizing the patient with antibiotics and blood and platelet transfusions, we have to get on and do a few other things. We'll have to put in a central line and most of the time we'll put in one of those external types of central lines, a Hickman line or a Broviac line. I've done some podcasts on central lines to explain that but we don't normally use the portacath or the infuser Port type of central line because the treatment of AML is very strong and normally an external central line is a better option. That might vary in some institutions but that's our practice. In addition, we'll do some other basic blood tests to check the patient's level of immunity to chickenpox and measles and cytomegalovirus and herpes viruses just in case they have a contact later on in the piece. And we'll normally do an echocardiogram. This is a test to check the heart function. One of the drugs we're likely to use to treat AML can weaken the heart if you give a lot of it. And so we do this heart echocardiogram to measure the heart's function right at the start. And that way we can check that the patient had a normal heart to begin with. And then as we give some of that chemotherapy, we can repeat the echocardiogram and check that the heart function is remaining okay. A final thing I'll mention before we start treatment is that we may perform tissue typing. Certain patients with AML may end up needing a bone marrow transplant. Not all patients, but certain ones do end up benefiting from having a bone marrow transplant. So if we're going to do a bone marrow transplant, well, we need to know the patient's tissue type or HLA type. There's a podcast that explains this, what tissue typing is, but we would often take the tissue typing right at the start while the patient's got high levels of white blood cells because that's what you use for tissue typing and after chemotherapy the counts will drop and so it gets harder to do it. So we might do tissue typing on the patient and if we're doing it on the patient we usually have to do it on the parents as well. Now it's not to say that we're always going to do a bone marrow transplant but sometimes we just get that test out of the way because we won't know at that point whether we will want to do a bone marrow transplant or not. So we'll often do tissue typing. But eventually the patient has been stabilised, they've got a central line, we've checked out their heart function, etc. Well then it's time to get on with treating the disease. So how do we treat AML? Well we treat AML with chemotherapy drugs. I'm going to devote a special episode of the podcast to the chemotherapy that's used to treat AML but it is very big, strong chemotherapy. What does big and strong mean? Well, it means that it hits the leukemia very hard, but at the same time, it hits the normal bone marrow very hard. The chemotherapy can't quite distinguish between normal bone marrow and leukemic bone marrow. They appear too similar from the drug's point of view. And so we give the drugs to kill the leukemia But unfortunately, we wipe out the bone marrow for some time. What does wipe out the bone marrow mean? Well, it means the normal blood counts go low, and they go very low, and they stay low for several days, can be weeks. So big time uh, problems with low blood counts have to be dealt with. But I'll talk about that in another episode. But basically, the treatment of AML... In the first instance is with chemotherapy. The drugs are given through the central line. They're big, they're strong, the blood counts drop. Often the patient just has to stay in hospital for a whole month while we deal with any problems that crop up. We also usually give some drugs into the spinal fluid. Remember how I said we do this lumbar puncture to look for leukemia cells in the spinal fluid? Well, we normally also put a drug into the spinal fluid Even if we can't see leukemic cells in the spinal fluid, we'll put a drug into the spinal fluid to protect it from leukemia. Problem is some of the drugs don't get into the brain very well and so we need to put the drug straight into the spinal fluid. Now the normal treatment of AML, if everything goes well, is to give several cycles of chemotherapy. Uh, What does a cycle mean? It means giving the drugs, waiting for the blood counts to drop, waiting for them to recover, and then giving the drugs again. After one cycle of chemotherapy, we would repeat the bone marrow test, check if the patient has gone into remission, and then hopefully they have, and then go on with another cycle of treatment. And most protocols these days would have four or five or six cycles of treatment being used, provided the patient went into remission. And then the key consideration would be whether it was one of those forms of aml that needs a bone marrow transplant as well, or whether it's one of the more favorable forms that we can expect to cure with chemotherapy alone. Now, AML is different to ALL in that we don't normally have a maintenance phase of treatment. In ALL, we often give tablets for about 18 months as a maintenance phase of treatment. Well, in AML, we don't do that normally most of the time we're giving four or five or six big cycles of chemotherapy and provided the patient goes into remission, well then that's normally it unless we also add a bone marrow transplant. Now a key question comes up, which leukemia is worse? ALL or AML? Lymphoid leukemia or myeloid leukemia? Now that's a question that needs to be answered in some detail it is true that if you had 1,000 patients with AML and 1,000 patients with ALL, the lymphoid leukemia, well, you would expect that more of the patients with lymphoid leukemia would be cured than the patients with myeloid leukemia. So in that sense, you would say that lymphoblastic leukemia is more favorable, I suppose, So you'd say ALL is better, I suppose. In addition, it would also be true to say that the treatment for most of the patients with AML is stronger, more severe, more side effects. And so in that respect, you would say that ALL is better than AML. The thing is, though, that When we're looking at an individual patient, that's different to looking at a thousand patients because with an individual patient, we don't just know that they have AML, but we also know what subtype of AML they have. So we may be able to establish that they have a more favourable form of AML or a less favourable form of AML. So with an individual patient, we can be a bit more precise about things and there would be patients with AML with a more favorable form who actually have a much better outlook than certain patients with lymphoblastic leukemia of an unfavorable form so with an individual patient involved we can be a bit more precise about things and estimate a prognosis, you know, what are the chances to cure the disease a bit more accurately. So if you had a thousand patients with ALL and a a thousand patients with AML, I guess you'd say, yes, AML is worse than ALL. But with an individual patient, we can be a bit more exact about what we know about the particular disease. But I think it is fair to say that AML is a bad disease There's no doubt about it. It's a very malignant process. It's a malignant cancer. It needs highly intensive treatment, very strong treatment. Prolonged hospitalizations are usual when we treat AML. The outlook has improved though in recent years. With those thousand patients with AML I was just talking about, we could be optimistic about curing patients we would expect to cure more patients than we didn't cure, but that's with the thousand patients. But with an individual patient, we can subtype the form of AML and have a better idea about whether it's a more favorable or a less favorable form of the disease. But I'll leave it there for now. Again, acute myeloid leukemia, a cancer of one of the bone marrow stem cells that's meant to have been making red cells, white cells or platelets, but has gone malignant and is proliferating. We diagnose it with the bone marrow test, we stabilize the patient and then we can get on with chemotherapy and that's what we use to treat the disease. Thanks again for tuning in to this Understanding Childhood Cancer podcast. I'll have a lot more to say about AML in a couple of episodes to come. Uh, remember I've got a Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and you look for Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr Jeff, that's G-E-O-F-F, you can find my Facebook page and then you can leave me any comments or questions or complaints or anything you want me to clarify. So that's it from me. I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.